are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500 pages, of the Mystical City of God. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and reflections and interact with other listeners and followers. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 184. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 3, Paragraphs 26 to 34. Chapter 3 Most Holy Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem every year according to the requirement of the law, and they take with them the child Jesus. 26 Some days after, our queen and lady, with her most holy son and St. Joseph, had settled in Nazareth, the time of the year in which the Jews were obliged to present themselves before the Lord in the temple of Jerusalem was at hand. This commandment obliged the Jews to this duty three times each year, as can be seen in Exodus and Deuteronomy, but it obliged only the men, not the women, Exodus 23.17. Therefore, the woman could go or not according to their devotion, for it was neither commanded nor prohibited to them. The heavenly lady and her spouse conferred with each other as to what they should do in this regard. The holy husband much desired the company of the great queen, his wife, and of her most holy son, for he wished to offer him anew to the eternal father in the temple. The most pure mother also was drawn by her piety to worship the Lord in the temple, But as in things of that kind, she did not permit herself to decide without the counsel and direction of the incarnate word, her teacher. She asked his advice upon this matter. They finally arranged that two times a year St. Joseph was to go to Jerusalem by himself, while on the third occasion they would go together. The Israelites visited the temple on the Feast of the Tabernacles. Deuteronomy 16.13 the Feast of the Weeks, or Pentecost, and the Feast of the Unleavened Breads, or the Pasch of the Preparation. To this latter, the sweetest Jesus, most pure Mary, and Joseph went up together. It lasted seven days, and during that time happened, which I shall relate in the next chapter. For the other solemnities, St. Joseph went alone, leaving the child and mother at home. 27. The Holy Spouse Joseph made these pilgrimages for himself and his spouse in the name of the Incarnate Word. Instructed by him and furnished with his graces, the saint journeyed to the temple, offering there to the Eternal Father the gifts always reserved for this occasion. Being the substitute of the son and mother, who remained at home praying for him, he offered up the mysterious sacrifices of his prayers, and as he therein represented Jesus and Mary, 
His offering was more acceptable to the Eternal Father than the offerings of the whole Jewish people. But whenever he was accompanied by the Incarnate Word and the Virgin Mother at the Feast of the Pasch, the journey was a most wonderful one to him, and to the heavenly courtiers, who, as I have already recorded of similar occasions, formed for them a most solemn procession. The ten thousand angels accompanied the three pilgrims, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, in human forms, refulgent in their beauty and full of profoundest reverence, serving their Creator and their Queen. The distance between Nazareth and Jerusalem was in the neighborhood of thirty leagues, and the holy angels, according to the command and disposition of the Incarnate Word, observed the same mode of accompaniment, both in going and returning. 28. They consumed more time in these journeys than in previous ones, for after they had come back from Egypt, the child Jesus desired that they journey on foot, and therefore all three, the son and the parents, made the pilgrimage afoot. And it was necessary to proceed slowly, for already the child Jesus began to assume hardships in the service of his eternal father, and for our advantage, he refused to make use of the immense power for lessening the difficulties of the journey, but undertook it as a man subject to suffering and allowed all the natural causes to produce their effects. One of these effects was the fatigue and exhaustion caused by travel. Although in his first journey, the Heavenly Mother and St. Joseph eased his fatigue by sometimes carrying him in their arms, yet this was but a slight alleviation, and later on he always made the whole journey on foot. The sweetest mother did not interfere since she knew his desire of suffering, but ordinarily she led him by hand, and sometimes this was also done by St. Joseph. Many times when the child was fatigued and overheated, the loving and prudent mother was moved to tenderest and tearful compassion. She inquired about his sufferings and fatigue and, and wiped his divine countenance, which was more beautiful than the heavens and all its stars. She was wont to do this on her knees and with ineffable reverence. The divine child would respond with much pleasure and speak of the delight with which he accepted these hardships for the glory of the Eternal Father and for the good of men. With these conversations and conferences, varied by canticles of divine praise. They shortened much of their journey, as I had already mentioned in other places. 29. And other times, when the great queen and lady beheld, on the one hand, the interior activity of the soul of Christ, and on the other hand, the perfection of his deified humanity, the beauty and activity of which manifested itself in the operations of divine grace, and in his growth as true man, and when she pondered upon all this in her heart. Luke 2.19. She exercised herself in heroic acts of all the virtues, and was inflamed with divine love. She beheld also the child as the son of the Eternal Father, and as the true God. Without ever falling in the love of a true and natural mother, she showed him all the reverence due to him as her God and Creator. All this flowed naturally from her spotless and pure heart. Very often the wind would flutter through the hair of the child Jesus as he walked along. His hair grew to no greater length than was necessary, and he lost none of it except what the executioners tore out later on. Such little incidents were noticed by the sweetest mother, and they afforded her subjects for affectionate and sweet meditation. In all her interior and exterior conduct, she was wonderful to the angels and pleasing to her most holy son and creator. 30. During these journeys of the Holy Family, Jesus and Mary performed heroic works of charity for the benefit of souls. They converted many to the knowledge of the Lord, 
freed them from their sins, and justified them, leading them on the way of life eternal. But as it was not yet time for the teacher of virtue to manifest himself, all these works were done in secret. John twelve forty nine. As the heavenly lady knew that such activity was enjoined upon her son by the eternal father, and that for the present it was to remain hidden, she concurred therein as the instrument of the Redeemer's will, although in a covered and hidden manner, in order to govern herself according to the dictates of the highest wisdom. The most prudent lady always consulted the divine child concerning all her doings on the way and concerning their stopping places and their lodging housings on their journey. The heavenly princess well knew that her son prearranged the occasions for his admirable works, which he foresaw and foreordered in his wisdom. 31. Hence they passed their nights, sometimes in lodging places, sometimes on the open fields, but the divine child and his purest mother never separated. At all times the great lady attended upon her son and master, watching his actions in order to imitate and follow them closely. The same she did in the temple, where she was joined in the prayers and petitions of the incarnate word to his eternal father, and was witness to the humble and profound reverence by which his humanity acknowledged the gifts flowing from the divinity. A few times the Most Blessed Mother heard the voice of the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 17.5 At other times she perceived and witnessed how her Most Holy Son prayed for her to the Eternal Father, and how he offered her to him as his true mother, and this knowledge was inexpressibly joyful to her. She perceived also how he prayed for the whole human race, and how he offered up all his works and labors for all these ends. In these petitions and offerings she accompanied, imitated, and followed him at all times. 32. It happened also at other times that the holy angels intoned hymns of sweetest harmony in honor of the incarnate word. As well, when they entered the temple, as on their journey, the most fortunate mother saw them and listened to them, understanding all the mysteries and being fulfilled thereby with new light and wisdom. Her purest heart was inflamed and blazed up in divine love. The Most High showered upon her new gifts and blessings, such as my inadequate tongue cannot clothe in words. But by them he prepared her for the adversities which she was to suffer. For many times after these consolations she beheld, as in a panorama, all the affronts, ignominies, and sufferings awaiting her Most Holy Son in that same city of Jerusalem, in order that she might already at that time see all this with so much the more vivid sorrow. He was wont to enter upon his prayers in the presence of his sweetest mother. And as she was filled with the light of the divine wisdom, and with the divine love for God and her son, she was pierced with the sword of sorrow, mentioned by Simeon, Luke 2.35. She shed many tears in anticipation of the injuries to be borne by her sweetest son, and at the thought of the sufferings and the ignominious death to which she was destined. Isaiah 53.3. Her soul was filled with anguish when she remembered that the beauty of the Son of God, greater than that of all men, was to be disfigured worse than with leprosy. Wisdom 220, Psalm 44.3. And that she herself was to see all this with her own eyes. In order to lessen her sorrows, the divine child was wont to turn toward her, telling her to dilate her heart with charity for the human race, and together with him offered to the Eternal Father all these sufferings for the salvation of men. Thus, both son and mother made delightful offerings to the Holy Trinity, 
applying them for the benefit of the faithful, and especially for the predestined, who would profit by their merits and by the redemption through the Incarnate Word, principally in these occupations. The sweetest Jesus and his mother spent the days of their visits to the Temple of Jerusalem. Instruction vouchsafed me by Mary, the Most Holy Queen. 33. My daughter, if thou wilt deeply and attentively weigh thy obligations, thou wilt find very easy and sweet all the labors enjoined upon thee by the commands and precepts of the holy law of the Lord. This must be the first step of thy pilgrimage at the beginning and foundation of all Christian perfection. But I have already many times reminded thee that the fulfillment of the precepts of the Lord must not be cold and lukewarm, but most fervent and devoted. For this favor will prevent thee from being satisfied with common virtue, and excite thee to undertake works of purest love, beyond that which God imposes upon thee by command. For this is one of the artifices of his wisdom, that he seeks to be obliged by his true servants and friends, in order that he may reward them. And this is what I desire of thee. Remember, dearest, that the journey from the mortal to the eternal life is long, painful, and dangerous. Matthew 7.14 Long because it takes up the whole life, painful on account of the hardships, dangerous on account of human frailty, and the astuteness of the enemies. In addition to this, the time is short. 1 Corinthians 7.29 The end uncertain, Ecclesiasticus 9.2 Being either very happy or most unfortunate, Matthew 25.31 While the one as well as the other termination is irrevocable. Since the sin of Adam was the animal and earthly life of man is burdensome for all those that subject themselves to it, Job 7.29. The chains of the passions are strong, the war against the lower nature continual. Sensible pleasures are always present and easily fascinate the faculties of man, while that which is noble as well as its immediate consequences is often hidden from the gaze. All this fills the pilgrimage of life with hazardous dangers and difficulties. 34. Among all these dangers and difficulties, not the least are those of the flesh, for its human weaknesses always present and always active withdraws many from grace. The shortest and the most secure course to follow, both for thee and for all men, is to welcome bitterness and sorrow, and put aside ease and pleasure of the senses and inviolably to resolve not to allow them to become dissipated or enjoy greater freedom than the strict rule that reason permits. In addition to this, thou must continually seek after the greater pleasure of the Lord, and aspire to the great last end of all thy longings. For this purpose thou must always be solicitous to imitate me. For to this I call and invite thee, desiring that thou arrive at the summit of virtue and holiness. Consider the punctuality and fervor with which I achieve so many and so great results, not because the Lord urged me on by his commands, but because I wish to please him more. Do thou also multiply the deeds of the fervor, thy devotions, thy spiritual exercises, and in all things increase thy prayers and sacrifices to the Eternal Father for the benefit of mortals. Help them also by the example and the exhortations wherever thou canst. Console the sorrowful, encourage the weak, help the fallen to arise, and for all of them offer, if necessary, thy own life blood. Above all, strive to please my most holy Son, who suffers so kindly the ingratitude of men, preserving them in existence and continuing to shower his favors upon them. 
consider his invincible love toward them, and how I imitated him, and even now show toward them the same love I desire of thee, that thou follow thy sweet spouse in his exalted charity, and also me, who am thy teacher. This concludes our reading today for day number 184. Today we have been reading from volume 3, book 5, chapter 3, paragraphs 26 to 34. We hear today in our reading that men were required by the law of the Lord to go to the temple three times a year in Jerusalem. And we heard the deliberations of the Holy Family. The women were not obliged to go. And so they made a decision that once a year they would go to the temple together as a family. And when Joseph would go the other two times by himself, Jesus stays with his mother and they remain at home. I think this makes complete sense because Mary was in fact a temple of the Lord. She is the Ark of the New Covenant. Jesus is the new temple. And so there is no need to go to the old temple when already you have the new temple with you. And that Mary, who is a temple of the Holy Spirit and a temple of the Most High, a temple of the Lord Jesus as he was contained in her womb, that there they can pray together. Jesus, the Son of God, is there praying with him to the Heavenly Father. As we hear about Jesus growing up, quite interesting. His hair grew to no greater length than was necessary, and he lost none of it, except what the executioners tore out later on. So it seems that Jesus doesn't get a haircut. Reminds us of one of the Old Testament individuals, Samson, who grows his hair long throughout his life, and then when they cut it, he loses all his power. Now, of course, Jesus won't lose his power, but it just kind of reminds us of the stories of the Old Testament and those who didn't cut their hair. Mary is a privileged soul. Privileged, yes, because of the Immaculate Conception, but because she is able to hear the Father. We heard in our reading today that at times she heard, this is my beloved son. What's going to be echoed at the baptism? What's going to be said also Uh, At the Mount of Transfiguration, Mary hears early on. She is receiving this knowledge of God. And so she comes to know all the better how to follow the Lord Jesus, how to learn from him. She allows her son to be her teacher. For even as mother, she has taught him so much, but he teaches her all the more. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.